Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner. Nitro, side by side. They put too much cream in that coffee. You're a sick I bastard asked for, for less, that. I asked for just a little cream. I, I don't know, they man. That looks like that a look fucking like I'm smoothie, yeah, if I'm going to be honest. Anyway, today on the podcast, super excited for this episode. We've got the 2021 NFL Mock Draft, courtesy of Mike Renner. T- took you know three quarterbacks in the top five. Trayvon Moore goes at 32. We'll get into some of my favorite picks in that mock draft. Also have an interview with Miami, Florida's, or formerly Miami, Florida's, yeah. Gregory Rousseau, who I thought was, tease the interview a bit, Mike. I thought was outstanding. I think his rationale for opting out, his mom is a nurse, you know, uh, op, you know, really yeah, advocated yeah. for not participating in this season, knows that he has a lot of opportunity to work on things. But I think his most engaging answers were, how is he going to get better in game situations, improve pass rush ability, run defense, all that stuff? Because everyone can work out on their own, run combine drills, practice their 40 start times, all that stuff. But actually trying to get game film and stuff on tape, I thought his answers were interesting. I thought it was interesting that when we talked about just like his frame, he's like, yeah, I can get, you know, pretty much any, I can play any position I want with how, you know, I'm built. And it's, dude, he brought up Clayus Campbell. Yeah. Like he was like, like, yeah, I watch a lot of Clayus Campbell. It's like, dude, you're going to have to get the three bills to be a lot like Clayus Campbell, but he could. He could. Yeah. He definitely could. His frame is like, freak. Is not maxed out. He, I mean, he said he's played at 240 this past year, up to like 265 range this upcoming season. Could get to 280. He said this guy is a freak of nature. That is the other crazy thing, and I didn't even bring this up in the interview with him because I didn't want to like bore him with some stats. But his best, he used to get like an 88.8 pass rushing grade on the interior last year. He was 240 whatever pounds. Like you tell, you get that guy up to like 275 in the NFL. Play him at five tech. Like that guy could be wreaking havoc against guards in the league. So I kind of love that because yeah. we also talked a little bit about his role, and I don't know how convinced I am because his pass rush moves list is not lengthy. I think he still yeah. needs to develop from a tools perspective. Thing, he's much much better on the interior. Yeah, than he was actually so much tackles. better because it, I mean he just takes advantage of no lateral quickness on the interior. Got and, guards yeah. that can't move side to side. Got one well, and, and they're not destroyed by him. They're not as long. Like, yeah, true. guards are much shorter. He gets that first contact right away. I, I think a versatile role in the NFL is definitely destined for great. Rousseau playing and we talked about potentially a Jadavion Clowney he liked that comparison he said he might send us some videos of his workouts here we'll get to that also wanted to shout out Garrett Mills Garrett Mills won the PFF elite subscription for rating and reviewing two for one drafts really appreciate you. Garrett Mills really appreciate the support and on that note PFF's 2021 NFL draft guide the preseason version with over no not over 100 exactly, exactly. player profiles came out today and those that rate and review the podcast could receive a 2021 NFL draft guide. We're going to send out 10. 10. So if there's only 10 reviews, all 10 of you are getting them. If there's 20, it's half. Let's not do the math all day here, Renner. But sending out 10 draft guides, super excited about that. Rate and review the podcast right now. You can pause it, come back, or you can rate it after we get through this podcast. Also wanted to mention PFF's College Football Grades Plus and CFB Premium Stats Plus subscriptions are live. Mike, before I dive into the promo code offer, all that stuff, what is your opinion of finally finally unleashing what has, sold, what has been previously sold to just NFL and NCAA teams, college football data from PFF. I'm upset. That's my secret sauce. Out there. <laughs> that's, what I, that's, that's what my advantage is over everybody else, and now everyone gets to have it. So, uh, no, there, I mean, the stuff back that you'll get is incredible. Like yeah. The stats and whatnot that we have behind the scenes that you get with the college football premium stats subscription is, 
I mean, there's never been, they've never been available mm-hmm. to the public yeah. before this. They just have not. So the, the only people that I, have had access to up, it is I would have loved this shit. ESPN, NFL media, some teams, some agents and stuff like consumers, standard subscribers have not had access to this data really outside of the draft guide. And yeah. to kind of break down the subscriptions more, CFB Grades Plus runs you at $30 a year. You get PFS first ever college football preview magazine, courtesy of Seth Kalina and Anthony Trash. And you also get PFF's college football grades pages, which look exactly like the NFL grades pages, but include grades for every single FBS player from 2019 and will move to 2020 when the first game is played. In the CFB Premium Stats Plus subscription, you get all that I just mentioned, NCAA Premium Stats dating back to 2014, and NCAA Greenline PFF's betting dashboard. And I didn't even get to the best part, Mike. CFB25, promo code CFB25 saves you 25% off your CFB Grades Plus or CFB Premium Stats Plus subscription. I'm pumped. I'm jacked. What a fucking year to drop this, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a tough. It, it is a tough year to drop this, but I, I, I do feel like here, here's my take: if you are an NFL draft stand, a diehard, you know, oh, aspiring yeah. evaluator, or just do it on the side, I, I think this is a must because it really does provide statistics and production analysis that you can't get elsewhere or else all you can do is you know study traits and study the film looking at some of this advanced stats and, and seeing how it correlates to the nfl i think is super important all I mean, right growing up i would have begged my parents to buy me this there you go it's, you can, you still can i think your parents still support you in a lot of ways all right well let's go ahead and initial. jump let's go ahead and jump to before we dive into the mock draft i also want to bring up this what's going on with the big 10 right now justin fields comes out with a petition that mm-hmm. I think it has over 250,000 signatures now. Did you sign it? I, I did sign it. I did sign that I petition. Didn't you didn't not, sign that? I'm not an activist. Anyway, but I, I signed that petition. I think it's over 250,000 um, signees there. But also, you're hearing some rumors in the big as well, so, some other, so potentially some home-and-home home games. Yes, apparently six teams. Now it's Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska. Oh, gosh. I, need, I should know them off the top of my head, but I don't. Maybe Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, Home-and-homes is the possible they're working together to organize in the fall? this in this fall to get home and homes this fall for a full college football season, which I didn't know I needed home and homes until the <laughs> idea just got passed to me that they could have home and homes. How awesome does that sound to play, you know, Michigan, Ohio State twice a year, like at one in the big house, one in the shoe like that. That would be a good ass time. That sounds that would, that's better than seeing. You I don't know, think fans. Will Ohio be State poured on Cincinnati once every couple of years or Ohio. Like those are trash games. I want to see them against the big boys every single time. And the home and homes makes it just Dude, that much more. You get the life. shoe and the big house. I mean, damn, that sounds like a lot of fun. The thing I'll say with that too, though, is that it's got to be tough for specifically for Ohio State. You have Governor Dewine saying fall sports can start for high school football. Yeah, and Ohio State can't. I I find that insane. It's got to be tough for Ohio State to move forward to this fall season when others are still planning for it. I think I think it's only going to get worse for the Big Ten commissioner and those that made this decision to move away from fall sports when you see Alabama successfully playing in October, when you see the the Big 12 successfully playing in October and and so forth. I think that's going to make I don't think I will say this. My take on the petition, I don't think that's enough to pressure the Big Ten into reverting their decision. I, I think it would. I just can't imagine that they do that. They've already lost I, that's so much I time. Think, I, I just don't. There, I don't think there's any reverting from the Big Ten as a whole. Yeah, it's going to take almost a you know a mutiny mm-hmm. from the teams themselves that really want to play the the non Northwesterns, shall we say, the teams that like have a lot at stake here financially. Yep. If they miss a full season, uh, I think those are the ones we're going to see 
do it. I mean, what just it got floated out there, the possible six-team home-and-home Dude, a home-and-home home would be outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. All right, let's dive into what everyone tuned into the podcast for, the 2021 NFL Mock Draft. Jumping in at number one, Jacksonville Jaguars select quarterback Trevor Lawrence. We don't have to talk about that a ton. Trevor Lawrence is likely the number one overall pick. Whichever team is picking there, I think there's not – there's a non-zero percent chance Washington picks there and opts for Trevor Lawrence at number one overall. They're here at number two, drafting Justin Fields from Ohio State quarterback to a better Ohio State quarterback. Justin Fields has graded better than Dwayne Haskins has at Ohio State, and the systems have been similar. We've brought that up before about there are some concerns that Dwayne Haskins earned a grade under 84.0 playing at Ohio State. Seth Galina wrote a fantastic article about how good that offense is and how easy that offense is to produce in. The fact that Justin Fields can practically break PFF grades at the quarterback position, Haskins Dude, couldn't, is a concern. Haskins would feel just so, such like shit. If, if the Washington yes. drafts Justin Fields, which also, by the way, first time I ever wrote out Washington football team, it was electric to write out. That felt, I got <laughs> Did you I got relive great. it every night oh, or what? <laughs> Washington football team just rolls off the tongue. But if they are picking one or two next year, Washington, it's because Dwayne Haskins wasn't good enough. Like, yeah. So you are drafting a quarterback. You're drafting one of these guys because Dwayne Haskins wasn't good enough. And the thing is, Dwayne Haskins, he had Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin there at Ohio State and didn't grade out as well as Justin Fields. He also had Chris Olave. I mean, Olave was a freshman, but he had better talent, probably objectively, than Justin Fields did at the receiver position, yet could not get the job done. Right, good on defense, Quite strong offensive close, line, similar yeah. offensive so, scheme. It, it, it's so. it's not night and day here. You're comparing very similar offenses, yes. one of which Justin Fields has blown the doors off of, mm-hmm. and Dwayne Haskins has left a lot to be desired. All right, and, and this is the order, by the way, by Super Bowl odds. We're not. No one cares about that. I, anyone, I have a All take people, here. No, people if, do, and, though. Why? Why do people care about preseason mock drafts and their order? It's Oh, every single I, time based did, on odds. Every I did want to almost do it just based off of who I thought was going to I was gonna be like, Dude. this is based off of just purely my opinion. <laughs> I wanted to put it at the beginning. The, I, I can't stand people who reply to mock draft tweets or whatever it is saying, no it's way this stand. team picks industry fourth. No way Bowl. this team picks. It's like, dude, this is based off Las Vegas Super Bowl odds. You can go back to your mom's basement where I also reside. <laughs> Number three, Miami Dolphins take Panay Sewell. You say, you've said this before. He's going to be the first non-quarterback selected yeah. in the 2020. NFL draft, regardless if the, the Pac-12 plays another selected. snap. Yeah, he's the crazy thing is, and I keep bringing this up. He's not. He was 18 years old last season. He's not going to turn 20 until October. That's insane. Year. He's also 330 pounds, and he moves like a tight end. The, the guy is. He's a freak every sense. He was of the word. 18 in that I'm, Auburn game yeah. where he's out there dominating. I'm excited to see what his brother looks like. Have you seen his brother's? I have not. Highlights? He's like a 265 pound linebacker. He's probably gonna end up like a DT because he moves like he flies around the field, but he's like enormous. Yeah. The guys, I'm excited to see what he does at Oregon. That's got to be exciting. All right, number four, Cincinnati Bengals picking. They grab linebacker Micah Parsons. We've talked about him a ton on this podcast. The best defensive prospect in this class, I'd say. A generational talent at off-ball linebacker. He has the athleticism, and more importantly, not more importantly, but equally important, the production. You yeah. see it against the run. You see him recognize blocking mm-hmm. concepts, play recognition, all anticipatory mover. That is... Combined with athleticism is yeah. why he's a generational linebacker. You compare that to Devin Bush, Devin White. I think they were had fantastic movement skills, but they weren't anticipatory movers, guys that really predicted what was going to happen and reacted to plays yeah. early in the down. Number five, quarterback Trey Lance going to the Carolina Panthers. You think the Panthers are one and done with Teddy B? So I was actually on Carolina Radio last week, and I said – if you are in a position, again, the same as Dwayne Hassan's argument, if you're in a position to grab one of those top three guys, it means that Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the guy because 
for as probably bad as the talent is there in Carolina, it's not on the offensive side of the ball. They have talent offensively. Absolutely. They have some of the best positional, you know, the best weapons of any team in the NFL, probably top five in that regard. And an offensive line that like it can get the job done. So you have enough there to say if Teddy Bridgewater is your guy, if you are all of a sudden drafting top three, top four, top five, and you have a chance at a guy like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, whoever it may be, you go get that guy because it means Teddy Bridgewater uh, wasn't good enough to get you out of a top five pick. No, last season. And PFF will always advocate for that. Will always advocate yeah. if you're in a position to get a very good quarterback and your quarterback isn't good or hasn't you haven't seen it from him to be that like next caliber type of player, get the quarterback. It's the most important position on the football field by a, a country mile. And if you're ever drafting in the top five and one of those yeah. big names fall to you, we were advocating it's, that Washington went after a quarterback at number two overall yeah. this past year. Like well, that, like Tua Tungavailoa at two yeah. did make some sense. Yeah. And, right. and it's like, what, what would... You know, the Titans have rather had, they, would you rather have Mariota or would you have rather had Carson Wentz? You, you know, that year they traded out of the number one pick. Like the, those teams, if, you, if it gets that's that bad good, that you take. are drafting that highly, in almost all likelihood means that he wasn't your guy. New York, New York Jets picking at number six. They grab wide receiver out of LSU, Jamar Chase. I love this, yeah, this comment you have in here. Chase can shake you and straight bully you. I also think he's got absurd speed for his size. He's a great straight line runner. I, I think very good at, at the releases and also very physical. Beats some more physical cornerbacks in the SEC. I think he, I don't see another receiver, especially with Rondell Moore opting out of the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. I don't see another receiver passing him up. I think he's wide receiver one through and through. 100%. I, I, don't, I completely agree with that. He's that good. But this one's the interesting one. Just I'm talking about the New York Jets here. What do they do if they're drafting top three, top four? Because they because they didn't put – like Carolina put a lot of talent around Teddy. They still have shit around Sam Darnold. <laughs> like that, that offensive line still is not good, even though they you know completely five new starters this year. The wide receiver talent, still not good. And they're trying to emphasize – Le'Veon Bell this year instead of giving the ball more to Sam Darnold and obviously your head coach doesn't have the greatest track record with, you know, just offense in general, shall we say? So it could be bad there for New York. They could be drafting one, two, three in twenty twenty one. Do you give up on Sam Darnold then? I, I think so. Absolutely. I, I think you you have to eventually pull the trigger and if you're I'm drafting not sure it's in, giving up though also to draft a guy, but I Especially because I, I doubt there, that but. they're in a position to pick Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields when it's all said and done. But I think they will have an opportunity at Trey Lance. And I think yeah. Trey Lance, I mean, somewhat like similar to Jordan guy. Love in terms yeah. of like Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to draft the arm talent and maybe develop him behind yeah. Sam Darnold for a year. But if he blows it up, then you then you have him take over. Number seven, New York Giants take edge defender Gregory Rousseau of Miami. Plus you got an extra first rounder as the Jets. So you not, you can't you can still give him some help later in the draft. That's, that's true. All right, edge defender Gregory Rousseau, the guy we're interviewing at the back end of the podcast here, goes to the New York Giants at seven. Going to move ahead here. Luckily, we had him as edge one going yes, into the interview. Geez, he was like been... <laughs> sixth edge on our board. and like, hey, sorry, we don't think you're a first-rounder, Greg. The thing I want to mention with Rousseau, I know I said I wanted to move quickly, is last yeah. year was his redshirt freshman season. Yeah. Like, he's only played one real legitimate year. And even this past year... I would argue that a lot of his production was on stunts. A lot of his production was just beating really bad competition. He needs to get a lot better if he's going to be dominant to the levels of a Chase Young or these guys that, that are really polished coming out. That's the thing is don't expect him to be Nick Bosa in 2021 when he comes out. Like, don't expect him to hit the ground and be lights out right away. But I think he has, as impressive as he was in such a limited time after – you know, playing all over in high school and not focusing on defensive line and then getting injured his first year in college and not having that practice time. 
I think the, the arrow is treading massively upwards for him, and he'll get there eventually. Yep. All right, number eight, Las Vegas Raiders still continue to attack pass rush. Christian Barmore, who is the next name in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa yeah. to kind of blow up. If he does, I mean, the SEC is still playing to play in the fall. If he does get that opportunity, only on 269 snaps this past year, an 88.1 pass rushing grade. That is a telltale sign for another one of these Quinn and Williams types that really blows up. And I think you see it already with uh, Barmore. I was going to say, so Marvin Wilson's our defense tackle one right now. I would just bet money that changes by the time the draft happens. Yeah. If we get a fall season, mm-hmm. if we see him play, just Barmore. He Wilson has doesn't more have the juice tools. that Barmore yeah, exactly. has. He, just and, has, he has and, more physical. At every position, nearly, you're looking for juice. You're looking yeah. for explosiveness. I think it's a big reason why um, I don't see Sean Wade potentially moving up boards as an outside corner. I think he needs Stock a little wise. bit more juice. Yeah. Obviously, he's a fluid mover, former five star, but I think that explosiveness is so important at every position now. And when you see it in Barmore, even on just 269 snaps, you get a little excited. Yeah. And, and that's like the Caleb Farley, why I said it's going to be difficult to unseat him. No one just has that explosiveness and size that he has at yep. corner. And obviously he's been productive. So, All right, number nine, Miami Dolphins uh, take linebacker Dylan Moses. Interesting pick here because he has not played a ton of football. He is all hype, I would say. Not all hype. He has some good production. He, he has really good pass rushing production early yeah. in his Alabama career. There's some plays. There's some splash plays you like. But a lot of it's hype because he's this big-name recruit guy that got offered at, what, in eighth grade by LSU at an Alabama camp, by the way. He was at – or no, it was an Ole Miss camp. He was at a different team's camp, and an LSU offered him through the rumor mill, whatever it may be. This guy has been training since he was, like, 12 years old with his dad. He's doing, like, three-a-days. Three-a-days, 500 push-ups a day or whatever it was with his dad. Like, absolutely three-a-days. Work out a lot. Don't do three days. <laughs> Absolute freak that is Dylan Moses. He goes to the Dolphins at nine. Detroit Lions at ten. I just want to say about that. I think Moses, in a man-heavy scheme, is going to be his best fit. Okay. Blitzing and playing man oh, coverage. Yeah. I think is if you his don't rush the pass with Moses, you're making a yeah. mistake. That's his bread and butter. Uh, I, I think if you're drafting him into some place like uh, you know you want him to play just cover three all day, I don't think it's going to be nearly as impactful. Number 10, one of my uh, – this receiving class, man. When you first said it, you said it early in the process. This 2021 class could be, if not will be, better than the 2020 receiving class. And as, as I look at these names on this list, Jalen Waddle comes in at number 10 to the Detroit Lions. Absolutely electric. Potentially a better prospect than Henry Ruggs if he's given the opportunity this fall. I think he will be. He just, one, plays faster, like off the line of scrimmage with the ball in his hands. And there's – I don't want to say play faster because Ruggs obviously did play fast with the ball in his hands, but it's just more dynamic. Um, He's Ruggs jittery. Was, He's more, Ruggs he was has, Paris Campbell-y in terms of just like in a straight line, you just weren't going to touch this guy, and he could just – you'd bounce off him in a straight line. But Waddle has, I mean, elite return ability, elite just ability and space to make you miss. And so 12.2 yards after the catch per reception last year. Tops in all of college football. That's t- uh, he's a monster. He uh, just I, I think he, uh, again, could go under the hashtag fun to watch, too. In addition to being a, a, a top 10 caliber prospect, I think his tape is incredible. Also, producer Mike, going to need Paris Campbelly in the timestamps. Can't lose that one. That one is uh, a fantastic way to describe. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars at 11. Cornerback Kayla Farley. PFF's cornerback one. I think, again, people like Patrick Sertan. People like Sean Wade. I don't think they're overtaking Caleb Farley. I, I think Caleb Farley is the cornerback one, a true outside corner with the length and athleticism necessary to be yeah. match and mirror at the next level. Yeah, so the thing is, he's you drafted him high because he's a man corner and there's kind of that dichotomy where he's man corner, but he's played like 60 snaps and press man coverage in his career at Virginia Tech. So you don't necessarily know, but Fair. I think we've seen enough that... Senior Bowl would be five. 
Senior Bowl would be nice if he can get there. Apparently, Jim Nagy said he's not on track to do it. Uh-oh. But obviously, online courses, you could take like 30 credits this fall. Maybe, who knows? He's not doing <laughs> he's not, he's doing not doing playing football. football. Yeah, so, but I, I will say that his speed is legit. I, if it's not 4-3, there was no one who got past him and then separated down the field from him. He was making up steps on every guy. And when you're big and when you're fast, it just gives you so much leeway in terms of what you can do from a technical. You don't have to be per- perfect with your technique. You just have so much ability to make up ground and as uh gosh as a, the colts gm likes to say chris ballard chris ballard give me guys who can make mistakes and make up for it. yeah i think that's great i was reading i think it was dane brugler who did some uh, an interview with some coaches and evaluators talking about no one's drafting looking for his own corner right now people want man corners people want guys that can really match a mirror shadow guys at the yeah. next level it really does allow your defense to be that much more versatile it allows you to do so much more things and you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about like RPOs and shit. Mm-hmm. Like some some schematic aspect. Just like you take away when you play just press man coverage. All right, let's move a little bit more quickly here. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers at twelve. Edge defender Carlos Basham Jr. He goes by Boogie. Might need to keep talk, talking about, talking about him with the Boogie. Calling man. a grown man Boogie. Really? That's tough. I can I can. I can Although he's like two seventy five, I call him whatever he wants me to call. Fair, him. fair. But he goes to Chargers at twelve. I, I, I mean, Melvin Ingram's contract status is interesting. I he's, think it's, he's the first holdout, not holdout. Yeah, holding out but not practicing, which I feel like is smart. Well, like you, the new CBA, if he were to miss practice, like he would have to pay the fines or whatever. Like he'd get boned. So they kind of eliminated. They thought they eliminated holdouts by that, but now he just shows up to the building and says, "No, I'm not going to like." Jeez. But I mean, we talked about Carlos Basham a ton. I, I think he's one of the better edge defenders in this class. Obviously, twelfth here on the mock draft. I think with him, I, I'd still want to see more polish because I do think he plays like a bull in a china shop yeah. a lot, and he is a bull. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you give him a china shop like some of the freaking offensive tackles in the ACC, yeah. he's going to wreck them. But I think he needs to go against some top tier talent. Better his moves, better his pass rush moves. I say that about every edge defender in this class. Every edge defender in this <laughs> class thing. has a ceiling, a very good one. But yeah. if you're not going to get better. From a moves list perspective, it's hard to really predict legitimate success in the NFL. That's the sad part about not having football this fall for lives, guys. The edge class is just full of We freaks. need those videos from Rousseau, man. But uh, <laughs> I will say Basham, he's a better prospect to me than Marcus Davenport. Davenport went 14th, so I think you can pencil You've made that Basham comp before as well. Yeah, like they're very similar in their skill set. I just think Basham's a little more explosive and just a little better at this point. Denver Broncos at 13 take offensive tackle Sam Cosme out of Texas. Garrett Bowles has not lived up to expectations. Jawan James is a high-floor producer at tackle but has never been an elite and he opted one out. in the NFL, and he opted out of the 2020 season. I think Sam Cosme, another guy in this class that you really want to see him play football in the fall because his ceiling and his athletic ability, his feet, He's all late. stand out as like high-ceiling type of prospect, but there is some plays on his tape where you're kind of scratching your stronger. head. Yeah, stronger is another thing, too. All right, let's jump to 14. Atlanta Falcons edge defender Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, the number one player on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, the guy that can reportedly run a 6'3", 3'0", cone at like 270 pounds, 272 pounds. If he runs that, he might be going top 10. That's what I'm saying. That's, if, that's, if, that's not okay. If he even like touches like sub 6'6", six, six, he's going to go in the top 16 <laughs> picks. Like I don't care what his tape says. Rashawn Gary's tape was trash, and he went – 14th also like he went 14th yeah 14th also yeah like you're going he's going to get drafted highly someone's going to buy in and his tape's not awful no he just is no moves no moves that guy that guy puts his helmet into the inside shoulder of the tackle on so many of his pass rush reps and but he has the bend he has the you know the the ankle flexion to like really turn the corner if he learns some hand you know better hands yeah. in that thing and i think that's that's and important with what I, I learned that i enjoyed was oh wait never mind i'm a different guy oh no keep going jeez 15 oh, wait, arizona oh wait, oh wait. 
was a basketball player until junior year. Oh, wow. So I've all in on OA now. There you go. Love former basketball players. With Quiddy Pay, too, we've talked about this before, but a little bit in his background, played running back at a small high school in Rhode, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. I think all high schools in Rhode Island are probably small, though, to be fair. I mean, that's a— Providence is a big city. Really? I don't know. It's not I like I don't know. Rural, Coming from California, Illinois. every high school is small, well, you know, east of California, really. But let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. They grab— one of my favorite tight ends in the class, I almost like this guy more than Pat Fryermuth. It's Kyle Pitts of Florida, a guy that could legitimately have a Travis Kelsey-like impact in yeah. the NFL because he can, I think he can play outside. He can play the nub and trips to the left or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. He can, he can do so much in open space. He can do it after the catch. I think Kyle Pitts is where the NFL teams want to go at the tight end position. I just think you need to see more of it. I think I want more targets. I want more opportunities to see him with the football. Well, that's the, so before you scream at me, the Cardinals don't use a tight end. Why would the draft Cal Pitts? You just described it. This dude would be a, a <laughs> first round personnel. pick. If he was a wide receiver, he'd probably be like a first round pick. Like yeah. He had more receiving yards than, uh, why can't I think of any names today? The Van Jefferson. Yeah. I always, I mean, there's just so many names. <laughs> Van Je- he had more receiving yards than Van Jefferson last year. And Van Jefferson was a second round pick. And another guy, He's not even 20 years old yet. This guy's young as hell, producing in the SEC. I, I think if he just can scrape. And creating separation, scrape too. That's what I love. Yeah. I mean, if he can scrape ends, 250, this guy is he's going to be a very high It's guy. so rare, especially at the collegiate level, that you see enough enough of a sample size of a tight end going against single coverage concepts to feel comfortable about his ability yeah. to separate with pits. There's a handful of reps against LSU. There's a handful of reps against other teams in the SEC, and, and it's yeah. it's dominant. All right, Chicago Bears at 16. Grab you think who you think is the best interior offensive lineman in this class? Wyatt Davis of Ohio State. What makes I'm Davis? Not alone. There's other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, 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 what makes Davis so great? He's just he's got one great balance. He's just so under balance at the love balance line interior offensive lineman, and and he is balance over finish. Oh, all day, <laughs> all day. Great balance, and he's actually got a little more power and athleticism to his game than Jonah Jackson. I was raved about Jonah Jackson's balance, but Davis, like, he'll bury guys at times. That was not going to be Jonah Jackson's game. It's not going to be his game in the NFL. I think Davis has that combination of pretty much everything across the board, and that's why you could see him be a top 16 pick, even as a guard. You saying Jonah Jackson remind me of Jonah Williams. I saw a training camp clip of him playing tackle finally, and I, I, it, was, it was exciting. I didn't, just, I didn't send it out. I, I kind of just injected it. In Sam my Hubbard. veins he by myself, against, yeah. but um, it, it it's fun to see him playing football again. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done is with Jonah Williams, one of the smartest players I've ever talked to, really, really diligent with his work ethic. I think he's going to be a good player. All right, 17, Tennessee Titans, wide receiver Devontae Smith. I love Devontae Smith. Some people are saying, though, he's not fast. Is Devontae Smith not fast? I've seen that he could run in the four fives, four sixes from some people. I, I don't buy it. This guy has legit speed. He burnt Derek Stingley a handful of times. And I'm not talking about the rep where Stingley's looking to the sideline. He could get by Derek yeah. Stingley with good speed. I, I think Devontae Smith is somewhat getting slept on in this class a little I'd bit. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't break four or five. Yeah. Like that would blow my mind just because he plays faster than that. And he has very, very good ball skills. The only thing I worry about is that he is. He's about He's the skinniest small. receiver you'll see, and, and he doesn't have Marquise Brown speed. And that's the thing when you're when you are when you're five nine, one seventy five or one seventy, you're usually agile, like you're usually shifty. But when you're six one, one seventy five, like the one you're less dense, like you're you don't have as much muscle mass per capita. I don't know how to describe that, but you're <laughs> you are not uh, the same as being five nine, one seventy five, and you're probably less shifty because you're a little taller, and so. I just worry about that. Obviously, that's, I think, why he came back to school. Mm-hmm. He said, I need to get bigger. Like, he has to get bigger. And so we'll see what he looks like this season. But I still think 
with his ball skills and his ability to, you know, attack the football at that size still is impressive. That's why he led Alabama receiving yards last year. This next pick, I'll say, is very unlikely, though I do love the player. 18, Cleveland Browns wow. grab Purdue wide receiver Rondale a... Moore. I just don't – without Decadent. a season, without a season to play and how small he is and the injury history, I think there's enough to push him outside of the first round. I, I, yes, he could blow up the combine, but I don't know. No. I, I think there's going to be some teams that are hesitant to draft him in the first round. If he runs a 4-3 anything – like Fair four three nine and like a sub sub six six three cone something along Just those four, lines. Four three anything. He's going in the first round again. Okay. Like speed plays and you like you assume an upward trajectory of guys' careers. Guys don't peak as true freshmen. So for him to have a hundred, <laughs> that's why dominator catches, rating exists. So yeah, twelve hundred fifty eight yards, twelve scores. I think he broke dominator rating with that freshman year. Yeah. Like that, that is about as good a freshman year as we've seen in college football history from a receiver. Absolutely. So. I think he I, still I think, has the PFF college record for yards after the catch per reception by a true freshman. Yeah. Like that, what he did that year was truly incredible. And he did it against very good competition. He toasted Sean Wade from the slot a handful of reps yeah. in that Ohio State game. I, I really do think he's going to be an elite player. I'm just interested to see how much these evaluators weigh in the injury. He, I don't think Sean Wade was playing that year. Dude, I, you got to turn back on the tape. 2018, he definitely was playing that year. 2018? Okay, 2018, my bad. Come on, man. Are you serious? All right, 19. Uh, let's move quickly here. 19. Yes. I keep saying that, but we keep loving on these guys here. Loving on these guys is not the expression I wanted to use personally. You, you were doing that. Yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, 19. Pittsburgh Steelers, interior offensive lineman Trey Smith, the guy that we've talked to about with Jeff Schwartz, who's a big fan. Um, he, he's played a good amount of snaps this past year, but he's struggled to develop because of an injury. Uh, I think blood clots in his lungs have kept him from really developing into the player everyone thought he would be coming out as a coveted recruit at Tennessee, but he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 19. That dude's just a Steelers offensive lineman. Yeah. Like the way he plays, just he would fit in right there. Nice. 20, New England Patriots drafting at 20, which is rare to see, but you have tight end Pat Fryermuth uh, of Penn State. I had to do it. You just had to do it. Yeah, I had to do it. Make I the ground comparisons now. Yeah. That's just the type of... He's in a Gronk mold. He's not Rob Gronkowski, but that's like a jumbo guy with some actual after the catch ability, some actual ability to get open. I think he's he is a very much a first round pick. He doesn't have to play this year to be a first round pick. With if if Cole Komet can go fiftieth or whatever he went middle of the second round, this guy's first round pick. Number twenty one, Minnesota Vikings. You haven't brought this name up a lot on the no. podcast. Edge defender Joshua Kendo of Florida. Going to the Minnesota Vikings, talk to me about this one. Dude's a freak. I mean, he compared physically, he looks like Greg Rousseau. He's 6'7, 265. Not a lot of people look like Greg Rousseau. I know, right? Like the guy is ridiculous looking, former five star, but also it's worse than his former five star and never actually been productive. 69.5 passers grade last year, got injured after three games. Um, There's some reps though where you're just like, damn. Like when he bull rushes, like he can, he's super flexible for a guy that size. I just think Vikings with their track record of developing just long, big athletes like that, I think he would be a perfect fit for them. All right, next three here. Buffalo Bills at 22 grab Sean Wade of Ohio State. You have cornerback slash safety, which I respect. 23, Philadelphia Eagles safety Andre Sisco. And 24, Green Bay Packers wide receiver Rashad Bateman of Minnesota. I'll start with Wade. I wrote an article today on PFF.com talking about there's been 17 cornerbacks drafted in the first round since 2014. All of them had at least 421 snaps at outside corner. And that, that guy who's the bottom there was Byron Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. Sean Wade has 55. 
55 career snaps at outside corner. I think he better projects as this slot box safety prospect. I think that's where you want him to play, too. I I feel like it's it's treated way more as a knock than I want it to be. He's a very physical player, an excellent tackler, and, and has the mentality now in an NFL where oftentimes the slot cornerback is playing in run defense all the time, is the force player in run defense all the time. And I think Sean Wade as a box slot type is well worth a, a top 30, top 40 pick. And also, I said the Bills here. I gave him the Bills because I think outside cornerback of the Bills is different than a lot of other teams and what they're asking guys to do. And it would be very similar to what he's asked to do in the slot in terms of a lot of coming up and tackling, a lot of making plays in front of them, a lot of zone drops. Like I, I think that would be a place where it, I would feel fine about him playing outside cornerback in a scheme like that. Andre Cisco, right the Syracuse safety, like I said, going to the Eagles. Uh, he's going to go high. I just like if he runs a four three with at that size, twelve at his size with twelve picks already through two years. I don't care about the negative plays and that his run D is kind of butt cheeks, but <laughs> he's going to go high like that. That's what teams look for is speed and ball production at safety position. He's going to go high. I mean, all I'm saying is if you draft Andrew, Andre Cisco and you start him book your tickets to the roller coaster. Cause this guy takes a hell of a lot of risks, which I'm not saying is always a bad thing, but hmm. those risks need to become more calculated and, and they're more calculated yeah. than let's say like Paris Ford, the Pittsburgh safety, who I think plays really reckless as well. Yeah, but that, I, I will say this to talk about PFF's grading system a bit. Getting force incompletions, getting that ball production does lead to more positively graded plays in PFF system. So taking risks is important to grade well, but also giving up big plays will destroy you. Giving up big, you know, big gains, you know, big gains in the passing game will destroy your PFF coverage grade. We've talked about Rashad Bateman a ton. You've comped him to who have you comped him to? Going to the Packers, I feel have you comped Alan him to Robinson? Monty? Oh, Allen Robinson. Robinson. That's right. He's he should be a first rounder. Rashad Bateman and the Packers should draft a wide receiver also <laughs> I think I think with Rashad Bateman I, I really do like him the only thing that frustrates me is I don't feel I just don't feel the separation between Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson is round one and round five mm-hmm. I think there was more to Tyler Johnson than we knew off the field it's why he was not invited to the senior bowl yeah. it's why I think he's not even playing in Tampa Bay right now obviously that could be injury related but I do think there's a lot of reasons why off the field because he was the highest grade receiver in college football last year Tyler Johnson of Minnesota I think there's some off the stuff there that keeps him from being his best and I think some players or some evaluators recognize that Indianapolis Colts at 25 grab Marvin Wilson PFS defensive tackle one the Barmore goes much higher because he's got the juice New York Jets at 26 Alex Leatherwood I love this guy's pass sets I, I think Alex Leatherwood is another fun to watch offensive tackle because his feet move so well. Mm-hmm. And when you see consistent footwork like Leatherwood, it's easy to get excited about him. Compare Leatherwood to Jedrick Wills for me. Yeah, it's going to be hard to it's hard to project this tackle class right now after Sewell in terms yeah. of where they're going to fall. A lot of a lot of talented guys at the top, but Leatherwood's just not nearly as explosive as Wills. But man, he. I think he's better in pass direction. And last year, I mean, he was. He had fewer pressures, only allowed nine pressures. Jedrick Wills allowed 13. The guy, and the ones he did allow were like borderline. He's leaning on them off the edge. Like that that matchup against Caleb on Chase on LSU, he never really got like got on a rep. Like he had ones that were like borderline losses, but he never really got absolutely sauced. And I think that's kind of his biggest sort of positive is that always under control, never really overextending himself, never getting himself in bad situations. And for that to be his first year as an offensive tackle, now obviously he was recruited as a tackle, but played guard 
early on in his career at Alabama. For that to be his first year at left tackle, it was pretty damn impressive. Dallas Cowboys, I love this pick. It's ing- Patrick Sertan of Alabama joining Trayvon Diggs in, 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 for the Dallas Cowboys. Patrick Sertan, for those who don't know, Sertan doesn't know, 6'2", 202, big dude. And I think a very similar skill set to Trayvon Diggs. I think their weaknesses are similar, but their strengths are also very similar in that they're bullies, can yeah. be very physical at the line of scrimmage, long as hell. And when you have that length, it pays off even – it helps you kind of correct those mistakes like you spoke to with Chris Ballard's all, all motto or whatever you said. And he's 6'2", 202. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets up to like 210 because he's only yeah. a true sophomore. And he's got a big frame. The guy's going to be – I mean, he's going to be one of those just long press corners all his entire career that just lives at the line of scrimmage and lives in your pads. I, I think he would be a good fit. I'm not sure he lasts that long, but I do wonder about his speed. I, I don't think Same he's going to be a sub, with Trayvon Diggs. Like, I don't I mean, think he's a sub four or five guy. Yeah. yeah, I just don't really see that on his tape. I, I would be happy if he was. If he's if he's runs in the four fours, I bet he goes much higher than twenty seventh. All right, twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. Let's rattle off here. You have a running back going in the first round. Tampa Bay Buccaneers get Travis Etienne, who would have been PFF's running back one in the twenty twenty NFL draft. He did decide to declare. To, to declare uh, the Clemson backers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa at the back end, you could see running backs. Uh, mocked them a handful of times. San Francisco 49ers grab Walker Little of Stanford, who is a tough evaluation, man, because the Pac-12 is not playing football this fall. Ideally, he has some opportunities in the spring, or maybe they spark up a home-and-home because he has not played a lot of football, but was this monster coveted recruit, I think former five-star athletic ability, size, all that. So we talked about some of the guys that got screwed by the Big Ten canceling. He's the guy that got the most screwed by the Pac-12 canceling. Oh, 100%. 72 snaps, one game, all of 2019. 72 snaps in two years going into the draft is a just not going to go high. Like no. teams are going to look at that and be terrified of what you know they they just don't know what a guy's. He's going like. to test well. Two years. He's going to test really well. Very good athlete. I, I think he can. I think he's very good. I, he would have been in the tackle one conversation. I thought just based off that Northwestern game, I thought he was. Uh, it was very very good tape throughout the course of that game, but. He, it's sample size was tiny and you just need to see more of it. So I think he's a good scheme fit for though for the 49ers. I could see them taking a chance, even if he doesn't play this next one here. I got a, I got a 30 rack of Miller light. If, if this guy goes in the first round, cause I, I love the player, it. but it'd be, it would be an Where incredible do you find rise. Chaz, I guess 24s. Yeah. I don't know. Chaz Surratt, linebacker of North Carolina, who formerly played quarterback, made the transition to linebacker this past year. Talk about reckless. Missed a ton of tackles. One of the highest missed tackle percentages at linebacker we've seen in in the PFF college era, dating back to 2014. I think he needs to get a lot better, but I I understand why he'd sneak into the first round. He's athletic. He's aggressive. He has the mentality for the position. He's got good size. Like The tools, the traits, the mentality – I'm getting excited. I'm starting to get interested, but it's just like I need to see way fewer missed tackles, and he needs to feel way more comfortable with the position because he's not yet, just not. That's the thing. He obviously needs this season as much as you know a lot of these guys, but the mentality is the part there that you just can't coach and that you see on his tape all the time. People talk about traits that Ferocious, you can't coach. The way he mentality is important. Attacks too. blocks, attacks ball carriers. Now, his form on tackles. Work in progress. He was a quarterback, man. The guy was a quarterback the year before. I'm gonna, His first I'm game is him, rough. It's yeah. like so many missed tackles in that I'm first game. giving him a little leeway here. I think he's just he's a talented guy. I respect it. 31, Kansas City Chiefs, edge defender Jason Oway. We've talked about him a ton, uh, the Penn State edge defender. He's got the juice. UC flashes. Reportedly ran in the four threes at 257. 5% body fat at 257, which 
don't even think that's possible. That's because I don't know. For it's, a guy that young, it's a, know. he's a freak, and I don't think I think he's had better production and honestly better pass rush moves than Rousseau in some ways. I I, I don't think he's that caliber athlete. Doesn't have the same frame. Or whatever, he is. But, Dog shit against the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, zeroth percentile and run stop percentage. People talked about like a lot of criticisms of Julian Aquara, where he was kind of like soft and played high against the run. Always even worse than that. I mean, that's why you didn't play last year. That's why freak athleticism. Yeah. That's why he was a, not an every down player, not a starter for that'll Penn State. do it. Especially but, in college, where running the football is you know you get plus yeah. That's why that guys don't. Often. Yeah, that's why guys will not see the field in college. That's why I mean Patrick Queen was what they worried about with him. Why he didn't see the field. So lastly. Baltimore Ravens at 32, winning the Super Bowl, according to PFS, Mike Renner. No, you're here first. Las Vegas Super Bowl odds. Safety, Trayvon Morig of TCU. Why not Darius Washington? No. Stand by it. No. Stand by it. No one's going to draft Darius Washington. The first he's too time. small. You, you Carl draft. Joseph fears, but he's a better athlete than Carl Joseph. How t- how, what was Joseph coming out? 5'8", 5'9", like or 5'10". 190, though, right? Yeah, yeah. He was a little bit more rocked up. Okay, so... 5'9", 175 is a tough ass. Now, he's probably going to get bigger. but I <laughs> Not just taller. I'll tell you that yeah, right I, now, Mike. I, don't, I just I don't see it. But Moerig, 6'2", 207, he hits like a brick, too. That guy's going to be – he's going to be in the conversation for safety one. Uh, he had two forced fumbles last Holland. year. I, oh, I think so. I, I didn't, Holland didn't even get in the smock draft. I don't think the NFL is going to be super high on him because he doesn't have uh, – he's got a versatile sort of coverage skill set, but he's not terribly athletic, and he's not like – he doesn't play a physical brand of football, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, compared to Trayvon Morig, who has that athleticism, much more physical. Like he had two forced fumbles last year just from hits. Mm-hmm. He didn't get on the. He didn't hit the ball. He just hit the guy so hard they dropped it. So uh, that's the type of player Morig is, and going to the Ravens would be be a sexy fit. All right. Let, before we jump to the Gregory Rousseau interview, I want to mention Joseph again, was two hundred five coming out. Two hundred five. Yeah. Oh, that's five, a, that's a nine. hoss. Yeah. Absolute hoss. I I, I had so, high expectations for him coming out of West Virginia. That was before. I, th- I that was when like big hitting safety. Lewis Riddick called him a better prospect than Jalen Ramsey. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. that's incredible. I, I liked him. I don't know if I liked him that much, but uh, let's talk about some names that didn't make this mock draft and then jump to the Gregory Rousseau interview. We already mentioned a little bit about Javon Holland. No Crystal Lave, Mike. Talk oh, to yeah. me. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to school. Really? I, With no Justin sophomore, Fields? One year, sophomore, 890 yards. Is he really like Fair. not going to test? No, yeah. He's going to run the probably the four like, fives. Maybe he could break four four. Deep wide receiver class. I just I don't see Maybe it. he comes back. Quincy Roche. Gregory Rousseau had really high praise for Quincy Roche. Yeah, no Roche, no Rumpf. Undersized rushers just don't go that high unless yeah. you are Von, unless you are athletically you know, jetpack on your yes. back like so. Von Miller. Last two that didn't make the list we wanted to highlight here: Hamza Nasraldine, the Florida State safety, and then Tyler Shelvin, fat boy in the Bayou, man, whose tape is absolutely a joy to watch. Shelvin just is fat. I mean, let's just call it <laughs> what it is. He's fat. He plays the run. He two gas, but you're not going to be an elite pass rusher. If so, yeah, I just I think the NFL is wised up to a degree that they're not going to draft a guy that is just a run defender in the first round. Hope so. Hope so. But I think second round is probably where he does come off the board. And he's, I mean, he's a very good run defender. I'm not mm-hmm. going to take anything away from him. There's value in that. Steve yeah. talks about it all the time about, like, get your really good interior run defenders on, you know, late day two, early day three. Yeah. There, that's where you get value drafting yeah. guys like Tyler Shelvin. Drafting them in the first round, it's going to be very difficult for you to yeah. get, you know, 
you know, quality production for that pick, mm-hmm. especially when you talk about paying these guys. Like quality run defending defensive tackles don't get paid a lot. I don't think that gets brought up enough. Draft positions of high value, both from a cap perspective and obviously a positional value perspective yeah. early in the first round. Receivers, offensive tackles, obviously quarterbacks. Yeah. If you're drafting box safeties, interior defensive linemen that can't rush the passer. It, the, yeah, yeah. the Shelvin, his, his cap is like a Michael Pierce second contract, which is what, $13 million a year? That's as good as you're going to get. Yeah. Like that, as you're, you're an elite run defender, that's as good as you're going to get. You draft any other position, you draft Edge, Joey Bosa, $25 million. Jason Owe, Jason Owe can you know? develop into so, something that's making yeah. 20 mil, 25 mil plus. But, uh, all right. Well, yeah. this has been fantastic. I really appreciate the, um, really appreciate the, uh, you doing the mock draft. Check it out. Check out the full mock draft. I know we broke down every pick, but go ahead and check it out at pff.com. Also subscribe to our new college football subscriptions, CFB Grades Plus and CFB Premium Stats Plus. And also NFL Draft, draft Guide. guide if you get the CFB? No, NFL Draft Guide's only, only for, for Edge and Elite and subscribers. Okay. So you have to you get, get both. You got to get both. You got to get both. So remember, CFB 25, 25% off any college football subscription at pff.com. Um, Another thing, rate and review this podcast. We're sending out 10 draft guys. If there's 10 reviews, all 10 of them get it. You know the math from there. All right, let's go ahead and jump to... You probably Greg. have a pretty good chance. I, you probably have say. a pretty good chance. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and jump to Greggy Russo, uh, that interview right now. Joining the Two for One Drafts podcast is none other than Miami's Gregory Rousseau recently made the decision to opt out of the 2020 college football season, prepare for the 2021 NFL Draft. One of the best edge defenders in this class pff's top edge defender entering the 2021 nfl draft greg it's great to have you on how you doing i'm doing great thanks for having me of course man you talked a little bit before we jumped on training in exos there in florida getting ready for this draft i i think you know elephant in the room let's talk about this decision talk to us about what all went in to this decision obviously after your redshirt freshman season at miami florida opting out of this upcoming year due to obviously COVID concerns and wanting to prepare for the 2021 NFL draft. Talk to us about what all went into that decision. Well, it was really just a decision that uh, me and my family made. We sat down, we talked about it. You know, we thought it through, looked at the pros and cons. My mom is like a, a COVID nurse. So for me to be able to just take her out of that situation and just help her out and tell her she doesn't have to work no more. Like I couldn't live with myself if I had that choice and I didn't, if I had the opportunity and I didn't take it. So I just took the opportunity, but it was really hard to leave my team because I love those dudes. Uh, I love the whole coaching staff who Diaz is a great guy. But yeah, that's about what, what went into my decision. And now I'm just ready for a new challenge, you know, just trying to um, be the best me come April and go as high as possible in the draft. You're obviously probably still keep in touch with your teammates. What, uh, what are their thoughts about this upcoming season in terms of the uncertainty about what's going into it this year? Um, I feel like the way they're looking at it is like they, they know it's a blessing to have the opportunity to play season with everything going on. And like, as you guys know, of course, conferences have already canceled like mm-hmm. the Pac-12 and stuff. So they're just taking it day by day and not taking it for granted at all. And they're, they're working real hard. And I feel like if, we do play, if they do play season, I feel like they're going to win a lot of games for sure because we got a, we got a squad definitely in Miami. A player I wanted to bring up was uh, Quincy Roche or Quincy Roche, the the Temple transfer to Miami. I'm sure you were obviously before all of this went down, super excited to you know team up with him on the edges there at Miami and, and really become a dynamic duo in the ACC. How much have you talked to him since you made that decision, and what are your expectations for him going from Temple, the American Conference, to the ACC? Uh, I, I've been talking to him. Um, some like we still play Madden and stuff, and <laughs> we, you know we, we just joke around with each other. That's my boy, so we still got a good relationship. And I feel like I feel like he's gonna dominate ACC because we had a couple of days of practice, and 
he didn't look like the dude who's like was playing in the Power Five a year ago. I mean, in the group of in group of five conference a year ago, like he looked like a Power Five dude, like a like a dominant DN in, in the ACC. He was looking like he was looking like me and um, like me and Jalen, me and Jalen Phillips out there. We're all just we're all looking great in the spring. So I know he's going to just carry that into the fall. I feel like he's going to have a great season for sure. Like he, he's he's a technician, man. It's really fun to watch him work, and even in a couple of uh, like days of spring practice and over the summer, I learned so much from him. Just with like little things like hand placement and just being more detailed. And he even taught me some drills. He's been he's been huge for me, honestly, in just a few months. Who's the better Madden player? I feel like that's that we got to know that. Uh, I mean, it's close. If he gets, I think that means it's Quincy. <laughs> he hesitated. No, 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 no. I'm better, but if he has Lamar Jackson, he's probably gonna beat me though. He has because he's from Baltimore, so he picks the Ravens sometimes, and they're pretty unstoppable with the quarterback scramble and in the option and and the throwing game because they have AJ. Um, they have that fast receiver from down here, mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, last year you were – I heard from Daniel Jeremiah that you were in the 240s playing. You were 247 apparently. He said you gained 20 pounds over the course of the offseason. Where do you see yourself three years from now in the NFL? How much you weigh in? What kind of defensive end are you? Uh, that's a really good question, bro. Honestly, I feel like for like the pre-draft process, I'm not going to gain too much weight. I'll probably show up at a combine maybe like 265 or something mm-hmm. just to keep my versatility because I feel like I could drop back if I wanted to. And I could play inside because I played inside at like 247 uh, mm-hmm. last year. So I definitely feel like I could play inside at 265. And then I guess like it'll just go by like what that team does. If they want me as like a as a 3-4 like backer type type dude, maybe I'll like lose like five pounds. Or if they want me to be a true 4-3 um, D, maybe I'll gain another like five, ten pounds of muscle. So I feel like it's just going to go by that. But I, I know that I, like when I show up at the Combine, I'm going to show up with my versatility, you know, and not gain too much weight or anything like that. Yeah, at least. I'm glad you brought up your versatility because at PFF, we look at, you know, snap alignments a ton, where people play and the effectiveness at each position. You played up and down that Miami defensive line this past year. You played some nose tackle, true defensive tackle, you know, penetrator there, and also along the edge. What do you think your ideal role is at the next level? Do you want to maintain that versatility, move up and down the line of scrimmage, or do you want to kind of, you know, you know, strengthen your your ability at a specific position. Uh, I do want to strengthen my ability at being a little bit more, and like get some like more true uh, rushes on third down. But but honestly, I'll play wherever team wants me to play. I'm I'm very comfortable playing in the nose. I love playing the three tech. It's it's so much fun. Uh, I I can really play any position on D line like you just said. You know, so just being able to add that versatility to a team is, is great. And maybe I might not play only one but I'm a strengthen I'm a strengthen every single aspect every single position um during this offseason while I'm practicing you know so so you mentioned you you love playing three you know like the three technique and I have to imagine that's because you're playing against some big boys some guys that don't have that lateral agility you turn on the tape against Florida State they end up benching a guard in that game because you were dominating on the interior I'm sure that is probably a primary reason why it is so fun you're playing against guys that need to stay in a phone booth and struggle to move laterally yeah, that's true. Uh, obviously, as you guys know, the tackles are usually more athletic than the guards and centers. And then while you're at three tech, you're just a, you're a man closer to the quarterback. You know, if the end mm-hmm. gets upfield and gets a good speed rush, you have the whole entire edge to work, and you're only like you're, you're way closer than the defensive end is. So I feel like it's a good opportunity to make plays, and it's like it just gets you in a one on one situation a lot of times with that guard. So I, I really love the three tech, but but I love Dean. I love Dean as well, and I can play. I play any position the team wants me to play for sure. 
So it's third down. You got to get to the quarterback. What's your go-to move? What's the move you're going to deploy to get yourself a sack? Mm, let me think. If if it's a if it's a scrambler, if it's a scrambler, I'll I'll probably go like I'll probably go speed to power if it's a scrambling quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if it's like somebody who just like sits in the pocket a lot, I might do the double swipe or I might. I might um, take two steps up and give them just a little hezzy and then just and then just do a little club rip. Or I might just do a scissors. One of those. Yeah. So talk to me more about kind of your pre-snap pass rush plan. You talk to NFL and NCAA pass rushers. They always talk about what they're thinking pre-snap, setting up certain moves and, and so forth. What is going through your head on a given like passing down that you're trying to set up or, or execute from a pass rushing perspective? Well, for me, first I look at it down in distance. If it's obvious, if it's like first second down, I look at the tackle's foot because a lot of tackles give it away with their kick. Whether the kick's like if their foot's like uh, way out, or if it's like if it's face if it's more facing you, it's probably a run. But a lot of tackles will give will give it up with that. And then, and then I'll when I'm about to get set, I'll start looking at the dude's eyes, see if he's looking at me. Because a lot of times if they're blocking down on like a three tech, they'll be looking inside and they'll turn their head back, but they'll still be looking inside, just looking at where they're going. So. I'll look at his eyes, and then after that, I just pick a move, and then I I try to pick a counter move, like, in my head and see, like, see, like, if that if the first one doesn't work, I go to the counter move. But if they short set me or anything like that, I just go straight off of just um, instincts, you know, and just try to get them out of my way. So you're working out at Exos this fall. What are you trying to improve about your game? What are you working on and focusing on there in pre-draft here? I'd say everything, honestly, because I got to simulate, like, me playing the season. So I, I got to get better with, with a lot of my techniques, you know, just hand placement and uh, just being detailed to everything. I'm going to work on adding strength and explosion, like, in my lower body. I'm going to add some good weight there. And yeah. I'm going to – what were you going to say? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to just be working out hard every day, and I'm going to add – I'm going to be focused on adding size and strength in my lower body and getting more explosive. What's interesting is obviously you opting out and preparing for the 2021 season. You have to find ways to improve your in-game skills more than just, you know, your athleticism, your explosiveness to prepare for the combine. What drills are you doing? Who are you working with specifically to like add to your pass rushing tool belt, to add to, you know, what you can do in-game and improve those skills that really can only be shown off in game situations or even practice? Uh, I'm going to be doing like a lot of like just simulated pass rushes, you know, like just pass sets with my coach. And I, I have a coach down here, and I'm, and I'm have a coach at EXO, so I'll be working on both of them at times. And just, yeah, like you said, the simulating the in-game experience and just beating somebody and, and going hard every single play is, is going to be – is going to give me that feel like I'm still playing football. So that's, that's what I'm going to do to do that. Have you gotten any feedback from NFL evaluators or anyone in that regard about where you could be drafted, where they see you as a prospect right now? Yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing like uh, first round and stuff, but obviously I, I want to maximize that. I want to be I want to go. I'm shooting for top five, and I want to be the first defensive player taken off the board. So I'm gonna keep on working towards that goal, and I, I'm really excited. I I can't wait. I'm I'm just so, I'm so hyped to see where I land come April. So is there anything in terms of like you can do this fall? Because obviously you're not going to be playing football on a football field. They can't NFL evaluators can't see you. But is there any other way you can say, hey, I'm improving this? Like, is there anything that you've talked about with? I don't know. Sense of videos. Or, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a whole that. different world now. I, I, you could do a ton of different things. Yeah. Sense of videos and just, uh, yeah, like you said, just take, take videos of me running through drills and preparing 
and just showing that I'm still working every single day. Like you just said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Dude, I'm going to need some of those videos, Greg. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> lying here. We got, we got, you got to send those PFFs way. I, I, another thing I wanted to bring up and then we'll probably let you. <laughs> we'll probably let you go after this is, um, you know, talking to some evaluators, they, a lot of them are making some of what of a Jadavion Clowney comparison, a guy that is super athletic, has all this explosiveness on these tools that moves up and down the line of scrimmage and is used in a versatile role. Have you heard similar things or, or what's your opinion of Clowney's game and, and playing a similar role as him in the NFL? I'd love to do that. And yeah, I've watched Clowney a bit on film. I like what he does. He is very versatile. And I, I also – I'm not as big as Clay's Campbell, but I also like how Clay's can play in his position. So I watch him a lot too. But, but the the, um, the crowd comparison was great, and I could definitely see myself uh, being like him when I get to the league. Yeah, is there anyone that you watch film of to take things and say, hey, that move or how he uses his hands there, I want to be able to replicate that? Are there any guys in the NFL that you really admire in that regard? Uh. I like I like watching Brian Burns from Florida State because he just he just moves so well and he's yeah. just so he's so twitchy and he always has a plan. So I like watching Brian Burns a lot and I like watching Clay Campbell a lot for my inside moves. My because he reminds me of myself. He's, he's a tall, long body. Uh, he went to Miami, of course, y'all know. But <laughs> yeah, but, but anyways, yeah, I like watching Clay's for, for when I'm when I'm looking at uh, inside stuff and I also like watching Aaron Donald too because he's so swift in there. Even though we're like completely different players, like mm-hmm. the opposite. It's just it's pretty really much yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's really fun to watch somebody that skill. I mean, with Clayus Campbell, that's a big boy, man. That guy's over 300 pounds. You trying to get into that weight? We talked to Clayus Campbell on the podcast recently. He said after he retires, he just needs to lose enough weight to al- be allowed to go skydiving. Apparently, you need to be like under 220 or something. Are you going to try and push three bills like Clayus Campbell? I mean. Maybe, man. I kind of like that. Got to keep those ass. If, if the team I go to wants me to play inside, yeah, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Campbell was saying too that like early in his career to put on that weight he had to eat a ton like wake up in the middle of the night and eat and all that stuff but he says as he gets older you, you have the beers in the off season you get the buffets going it's a lot easier to keep on that 300 so I'd, I'd be careful there Greg this has been awesome I, I really appreciate you coming on I wish you the best of luck moving forward I'd say good luck on this season but obviously preparing for the 2021 NFL draft I wish you the best of luck there we need those videos man got to see how you're progressing we're excited about your talents got you got you thanks for having me appreciate that of course man have a good one Yes, sir.